Hello and welcome to episode four of the Sedgemore Trade Talk. Before we go too far, I will tell you that at least a few times James will moan about his little cold today, which made him only sell about 80 calves. This week, myself and Andy are talking to Tom Meller about the sheep trade. We're finding out more about the opportunities surrounding biodiversity net gain with Claire Alice Hankey. And of course, we've got our farming quiz and surely Tom can do better than the two points from Will Handel last week. I do have a little point from last week's quiz. I think it's a little unfair we only gave Will two points because the question about the infrastructure grant, you yourself were using the investment grant quite a few times. So I think that's a little unfair. I feel Will's got to you with this moaning because he has spent a week moaning about it as well. And I think any man that does a turkey noise of that calibre... It it was poor. ...only deserves two points. We should move on from that. Will should accept his two points. And move on. And then get on with it. On that front then, to recap the trade today, we had 1,526 cattle, 4,975 sheep and 204 pigs. The 74 dairy today topped at 2,520 for Adrian Churchill. We had 646 stores to uh, 1,620 for a blue steer from DJ Hill and Partners and 274 Sturks to 980 for a limb steer for SA Cox. A larger entry of calves saw many more buyers round the ring. 524 calves, in fact, to £460 for a reared blue ball from Steve Perry. Now, aside from the trade today, we have... You've, you haven't given me any lines. So I've, I thought you would... I, I was I, meant to be thinking of something. But was I he, I don't know, have a partner, oh. second in command in the sheep section, whatever you want to call it. That's fine. What are you trying to say? I'm trying, trying to introduce you. Yeah. How would you like to introduce? Here's Tom Meller from the sheep section. Over to Tom. Ooh. Or shall I introduce myself? Wait a minute, I need to write something down. So now we introduce Tom Meller, one of our sheep auctioneers here at Sedgemore. He's also a partner at the Sedgemore Auction Centre Professional Office. Talk to us about the sheep trade. Thank you, Andy. In terms of the sheep today, we, we've had a really bumper entry, 25 short of 5,000. So 4,975, a really, really good entry. Massive entry of stall lambs, 3,858, I think it was, pens. So a really good entry. In terms of the trade itself, for the medium to forward sorts, very competitive. The smaller sorts, longer term keepers, they did meet less interest today and there were less people for them, quite frankly. They averaged £74 per head, which was about £5 down on the week. So that was really indicative of the smaller lambs trading hands at less money. Just a bit of a point of note, the store lambs, I checked earlier, year to date, we've sold just shy of 10,000 more this year than last year. So that is a sign that more people are selling store lambs this year than fat lambs because they struggled to finish them earlier in the year. And that's just a knock-on effect, really. In terms of the cull use, plenty in the cull use pens. 1,037 cull use pen today. Looking down the top prices, very similar to previous weeks. Top price, 230 from Gerald Yates and others at 195, 185, and 175. A really good trade for the better end, the continental types, but again, leaner sorts, perhaps a touch cheaper on the week. So Tom, what are your predictions for the store trade going forward? It'll all depend on numbers, I think, coming out. If the numbers keep coming out in the volume that they are, I can't see them going up too much in price, to be honest, not in the short term. I think there seems to be a lot of people turning up with 150 lambs each week, whereas usually they'd only send a trailer load, 50 or 60. And this is because they're not picking fat lambs because they're not finding them in amongst a bunch. So they're really um, sending a lorry load at a time, which we're seeing week after week at the moment. So if we keep getting three and a half, four thousand store lambs a week, I think trade's going to stay very similar, or hopefully it will. And the predictions on the 
killing use? Cull you trade is always a bit of a tough one to analyse, to be honest. Usually, historically, the last week in November onwards, it will creep up. We haven't really seen that in any trend as yet. So really watch this space, to be honest. Again, depends on the numbers coming out and the quality of the use coming out. If anything, today, the average did slip back a bit, I think, which, again, was indicative of the quality we had forward. Have you started to see much of the Inlam use come through or much trade there? Very few forward so far. We've got a scanned Inlam sale next Saturday, so Saturday the 10th. There's about 350 booked. I believe somebody actually booked in some more today as well. So we're going to be pushing 400 plus. And yeah, that's the scanned Inlam use sale. There's lots that are due end of January onwards. So that will be the first test, really. Hopefully, they're going to be a good trade. I don't see why not. Now, away from the market, earlier in the week, Andy and I caught up with Claire Alice Hankey, who's a partner in our land and planning department, about this new buzzword, biodiversity net gain. So welcome, Claire. Thanks, Andy. Thanks, James. So yes, biodiversity net gain is something that's reasonably new, also referred to as BNG. And it's a requirement of developers to add ecological value to land as part of a development proposal. It's quite recent in that the Environment Act brought it in as a requirement, which will take effect reasonably shortly. Most local authorities now are looking for a minimum 10% increase in the ecological value of a site to be added as a result of that development that's being proposed. And this is typically done by delivering ecology improvements such as habitat creation or enhancement of existing habitats that are recognised as having good ecological value. So Claire, does this mean that these habitats have to be on these development sites or can they be elsewhere? Typically, it would be on the development site itself. However, in practice, that isn't always feasible. And in those circumstances, developers will be looking to add BNG to land elsewhere, so third-party land, which is off-site from that actual development site itself. As a general rule, it needs to be located close to the site, say within the same parish, so that those ecological benefits are felt at the local level. But GTH, our development land and planning team, have got development sites all across the southwest. So potentially marrying up of third-party land with development sites we've got on the books. And so this represents an opportunity for landowners where developers, in effect, pay for a landowner to utilise their land for BNG offsetting purposes and also for the ongoing management of that. And what does that management look like? Is there a big change to how they're currently managing? It really vary from one site to another. And so typically the type of land that is suitable is land that's low in ecological value in the first place. And I suppose the thing is, if you've got a site that's already got a really high ecological value, it's quite difficult to add more value to that. The land does need to be used for that BNG purpose for a 30 year period. So it does. It is quite a long term commitment. And that would be secured either through a Section 106 agreement as part of the planning process or what's called a conservation covenant, which is, again, something that's reasonably new. Ideally, it probably wants to be land that's not going to be suitable for development in the future as well, because, you know, you wouldn't want to sterilise your own development potential in the future if that were an option that you were considering. And what does that look like in a payment term? How long is a piece of string? It's an emerging market. So at the moment, we don't have any hard and fast rules on, you know, or facts and figures of, of what it's going to be worth. But what I would say is if people have got land that they might think has got potential, get in, in contact with us, either through our development land and planning team or through our agricultural surveyors. 
and we can marry up any potential development sites where we're looking for land for offsetting purposes. And, you know, as the market develops, we are well placed to pick up on what the potential values are. But at this stage, it's a relatively new thing. So I can't put a figure on it at the moment, sadly. You mentioned it's sort of land that may have some sort of ecological value already or, or something that could be built upon. Are we excluding sort of your, your grade one, grade two agricultural land? Are we looking for sort of more marginalised land or, or what is the sort of thinking along those lines? I suppose as a general principle, we should be keeping the grade one and the grade two stuff as, as prime agricultural production land. But there aren't any rules against what you can and can't include. You know, as a general rule, I would say go for something that's low in ecological value, because as I said, it's, it's hard to add that value. And, you know, the way it works is that a site will be assessed so that we find out its baseline ecology value. For example, a tree will have a unit or a, a metric of ecological value, as will a hedge, as will have a pond. So they've all got different values. Once we know the baseline, we're then able to say, right, OK, well, if we do some orchard planting or put in a pond, how much value is that going to add? And so it's making sure that we can come out with a net gain at the end, which is more than the minimum 10%. I see. So it can be something that's really basic in terms of current land use. It doesn't need to be something that you've always thought has real ecological potential. It can be something that's a lot more mainstream then. Yeah, absolutely. Mainstream stuff is, is absolutely fine as well. So, you know, it doesn't need to be, you know, sort of a really intensively designed, you know, new badger set or something like that. It can be something as simple as, you know, wildflower meadow planting, woodland planting, orchard planting, anything that, you know, the birds and the bees and insects like is, is going to be good. And there's also, you know, looking up at the networks that we can create. So what have we got in the local area? Can we sort of plant hedgerows? So we've got a continual line there, which is great for bat foraging and commuting and that sort of thing. This is obviously a very topical issue at the moment with lots of talk around it. Are deals happening now? And when do these deals start to be implemented? When do changes start to happen? So the Environment Act came into effect in November 2021. And there's a two-year grace period for BNG to take effect from the legislation within that act. So we're looking at November 2023 for it to start taking its full effect. That said, there are some local authorities who've already at a local level set out planning policies to require biodiversity net gain. So, you know, in some local authorities, we are already dipping our toe into that. As of November next year, it'll be every site and there won't be any exceptions as far as I'm aware. Not long to wait there. No, not at all. So for those listening and think they've got land suitable for BNG, what should they be doing now? So, yeah, if you think you've got land that's suitable, either get in touch with our development land and planning team. All the details are on our GTH website. Or I think, you know, you guys as agricultural surveyors are very well placed as well because you've got those landowner and farmer connections. Get in touch with your GTH surveyor. We can advise on the processes and timescales and values going forward. Thank you, Claire. Now we move back to Tom Meller, who is here and ready to take on our farming quiz. Tom, are you ready to go? Do you think you're going to beat Will? I'd struggle not to, wouldn't I? As, lo- as long as you ask the questions quite quickly, I think I'll I think, be fine. I think even if we don't ask them quickly, you're probably yeah. going to speak Will. Do you think you're going to take on Derek? I don't think so. I don't know how he got 10. Nobody really knows that. It was honest. mostly pity, I think. We're going to have to have some bonus points, double pointers. We'll decide that. Yeah. If you don't know the answer, you have to still answer the question. Provide an answer. Got it. You've got 60 seconds. James, you're asking the first question. And we'll give you a yes or a no as we go through, and then we can review it afterwards, like a bit of a career review. In the last 12 months, there have been 123 cases of what problem for the supply of certain meat for Christmas? 
Avian flu. Correct. How many sheep were there today? 4975. Correct. What animal would you describe as a charolais? Calf? No, sheep. That's who farms a diddly squat with Jeremy Clarkson. Caleb? We need the full name. Caleb Farmer. Oh, oh incorrect. What noise does a horse make? Nay. <laughs> we'll have it. Quickly. How many droves to the GTH employer on a Saturday? The GTH? <laughs> um, 45. Incorrect. Which non-rural organisation voted a strike for the 13th of December? Royal Mail? No. What type of rural land has increased by 15% in value in the past 12 months? And that is your time. We'll let you answer it. Can you repeat the question? <laughs> you, you told if, me to ask it quickly, so that's what I did. Yeah, I know, but the time's finished. <laughs> what type of rural land has increased by 15% in value in the past 12 months? I would guess marginal land. Incorrect. What, what, what sort of answer is that? I don't A very know what, vague one. <laughs> it was quite vague. Yeah. Why, what was the answer? Uh, forestry. Woodland. Marginal. Oh. <laughs> uh, right, we'll go through your answers. Bird flu, correct. Sheep numbers, correct, but you are looking at the results from no, today's market. it's not on that sheet. Okay, that's no. fine. You can live with that on your conscience. Charolais, I believe we've got it down here spelt with a double L. Which you didn't is, spell it out. No, that's, which means you didn't, it's a sheep. Yeah, it's, just, um, it's a sheep You spelling. didn't pronounce it with you two L. Caleb Farmer, no, he's Caleb Cooper. I knew that. The uh, horse noise, what were we thinking? It was quite lacklustre. I'm prepared to give you half a point. It was, it was better than gobble points. gobble. It was, yes. Yeah, but I, did, I wasn't happy with that point at all. I you, think I should have half a point for the Charolais. No, it, no, no way. No, no. It was quite high pitch, so we'll just give you a point. Okay, yeah. one. Uh, you're incorrect about the number of GTH How employees. How many was it? Uh, 35. And it was the DVSA driving examiners that were uh, voted to strike. They've gone on strike, along with the RPA. Mm. Have they? Have you not heard that? No. Yeah, the RPA have gone on strike, but... Oh, right. Yeah. Are we going to notice a difference? <laughs> I wouldn't have thought so. <laughs> they might just not reply to an email for another few days. Their turnaround times will be the same. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Got it. So, James, how many has he got? Three. Three. So you have beaten Will. But not Rob Baker. I think this Charolais gate. Needs... No, there's no, no way. No. no. You're lucky to get the horse you, you can see, if you'd, have said a, if you'd have said a sheep, we weren't going to... Yeah. No, we weren't. We weren't. That's con you. Next week, we've got Rob Venner in who's already asked if he can write his own questions, but we've definitely said no to that. <laughs> so we usually, at the end of the podcast, just go round and see what everyone's got on this week. Tom, what are you up to this week? Well, Monday, we've got the Southwest Winter Fair, the Fat Stock Day, where hopefully the best cattle and sheep and pigs will be presented here at Sedgemoor on Monday morning. No, in terms of other things that I'm doing this week, it will be things such as valuations, compensation claims. We've got a couple of compensation claims where I'm acting for landowners against the Environment Agency and Wessex Water. So that'll be a couple of jobs that I need to get progressed this week. Try and get those signed off. James? I'm going to see Class Q at the start of the week. And I've got a few of the grant jobs that we're sort of slowly progressing with. And we've got Nobody the... Asked you. <laughs> I've got the Lehman Pedigree Holstein sale, dispersal sale on Thursday of 240 Holsteins from Colin and Clarissa Salmon. We've also got our online spotlight sale going live as well this week to finish the following week. Okay, well, I think that just about wraps us up for episode four. Next week, we've got Rob Venner in to talk about the store trade as well as a special on our, as Tom's already mentioned, the Southwest Winter Fair that takes place this Monday. And of course, we'll be putting him up against the 60 seconds for our farming quiz. <laughs> <laughs>